If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. Oh no, that's a great term. That was it was laziness. I still don't really understand how I do it. To be told exactly what to write, I kind of gave up. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. It spoke to me to be away from a cookie cutter sort of, that's a terrible word. I started working on writing as escapist. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is our Season 3 epilogue, Like a Pro. We started the season with a quote from Stephen King. Amateurs sit and wait for inspiration, the rest of us just get up and go to work. It's a great soundbite, to be sure, and one that sums up quite well what it means to write creatively at a professional level. But is it accurate? You tell me. We've spent much of the season with Tara, aka T.M. Holiday, author of the young adult bestseller Hiding Halo and the Candy and Air series, as she recounted how being an amateur worked to her advantage, how her novel began as nothing but inspiration, and how she inverted expectations of what makes a best-selling author at every turn. It's easy to see Stephen King as the opposite, the pinnacle of a professional writer, a career novelist with 61 books to his name and over 200 short stories, coming together to sell a combined 350 million copies. And to most fans, it would appear that it all began overnight. His debut novel, Carrie, exploded on the scene in 1974, spawning a smash hit film adaptation, a Broadway musical, and one of the most successful writers of all time. With such a flawless beginning to an illustrious career, there's no question that King is the consummate professional of the publishing world, right? Well, predictably, it's not that cut and dry. King graduated college with the intent to become a high school English teacher, but he failed to land a job. With no other source of income, he started cranking out pulpy short stories for Playboy-style men's magazines to pay the bills, and in one case, a petty larceny fine for running over a traffic cone. Carrie was his first published novel, but the fourth he wrote, and just barely at that. After three chapters, his wife had to fish the unfinished manuscript out of the trash can. King was writing one of the greatest horror novels of all time, but at the time, he was sure, in his own words, that he was writing the world's all-time loser. 
truth is, whether it's Tara Holiday or Stephen King, you'd be hard-pressed to find a writer who hasn't gone through dozens of short stories unfit for publication or drafts too embarrassing to read before finally turning out one bestseller. Behind every professional, there are many amateur hours. Behind every success story, there are many more that go untold. Sometimes you just have to write crap just to get it on the paper, and then you can mold that crap into something a whole lot better. Pages and pages of crap might sound disheartening to aspiring writers. For Tara, remember, she turned to writing as an escape, an outlet for herself only. At first, she didn't need to worry about creating a believable world filled with real characters for readers to lose themselves in or about connecting with people through her prose. She just wanted to forget the monotony of her day-to-day life by writing about an average girl who discovers she's a mermaid princess. In fact, had Tara known about the sheer amount of backstory that goes into every story, she might not have written one to begin with. I think I would have been too intimidated to publish the first book had I known where it was going and then because of that momentum, now where I want to see it go. Backstory, of course, is a word almost all writers are familiar with, although not in this literal sense. The word itself doesn't refer to the backlog of stories that every writer has in their vault destined to never see the light of day. It simply means the history or background preceding a primary storyline or plot. From a writer's standpoint, backstory is crucial to fleshing out your main character, story, and world. But it's something Tara had little time for during her amateur hours. Had I known from the beginning, hey, this is going to become this whole little um, fantasy world with this very intricate history and... Um, magic system and the politics behind this and the the traitors and the mystery and the intrigue and all that stuff is going to become a lot bigger than what I initially imagined when I first wrote those first few chapters. Um, I think I would have been intimidated. And I think part of me would have said, I think that's too much work. I've got like, I've got other things to do. It's too much work. And so I'm so glad that I didn't do that because yeah, it's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot more fulfilling than I would have ever thought. Today, Tara has published two best-selling entries in her Canyon Airs series, and with a third on the way, she's embracing her professional title more and more, which means embracing her own backstory and her characters too. As I was writing book two, and I was trying to remember okay, what were all those threads that I need to pull into book two? And then thinking about book three and thinking about how it goes. And then not only that, but then just plot wise, well, if this is going to happen, it just can't happen out of left field. There has to be a reason why it's this way. Or I can't make my characters do this, or I can't make my magic system do this. I can't make my politics in my story do this unless it makes sense. So I have to be able to explain or come up with things and a lot of times as I'm as I'm coming up with a backstory or an explanation for why things are the way they are it changes my plot in in a better way and so in my um, mental chaos of trying to get all that straight and accounted for and explainable I had to create like a character bible for myself let's stop right there you might be wondering what is a character bible 
You've probably heard the term before, but as I myself discovered while writing this episode, there's not a whole lot of useful information on them out there. It's generally agreed upon that you should have one, a document that keeps track of your character's personal histories, personalities, motivations, and desires. It should develop as you write, keeping up to date with any new additions to your novel and helping you maintain continuity by keeping track of minor details about your characters that you might otherwise forget. And it should also provide the characters with enough depth to humanize them, allowing them to realistically interact with other characters who might already know these things about them. But other than that, it's really up to you how you format it and what sort of backstory you choose to include. As for Tara, she stayed true to the pattern of her entire writing journey thus far, taking advantage of a lack of information as an excuse to do things her own way. I had to know who all my characters were, I had to know um, where they came from, and so I went through and I did personality tests for most of my main characters. I found out their Myers-Briggs types and their love languages, and so I so I knew my characters well. And then I took my magical system and I took my society and I took my my politics and I took all those different things and I went through analyzations of societies or cultures or magic systems and I asked all the questions and I kept asking why and why and why and I had to write it all down so I could keep it straight and um, my brain is also super analytical and so the only way for me to keep it straight and not go crazy was to create uh, like templates and stuff. And so as I created these Excel templates where, yeah, I I fill in their personality type and it automatically gives me the description. And then I fill in that they're a secondary character or a tertiary character and it automatically changes the profile into what how big of a profile I need for that person and all sorts of stuff like that. And I just got kind of carried away with a little bit of coding <laughs> and it created this character bible for me to keep things straight putting that much thought into your character's backstories and the consistency of your world is a surefire way to flesh out your main story and make your novel's universe as realistic and inviting as possible even if the content of your bible is never mentioned in the narrative so it's a must-have for anyone who wants to be a working writer it means you're thinking not just about the world in your head, but about how it comes across on the page. That's why Tara's creative and labor-intensive character bible struck me as the final shining example of her shift from a beginner to a bona fide professional. And fittingly, it's an example you'll soon be able to see for yourself. When readers found out about that, then it became, well, I want to see, you know, and so it started just for me and it spurned into, well, if I need, if I want to know all this information, maybe my readers do too. That in a nutshell is the power of backstory. It makes things relatable. Stephen King has been publishing bestsellers for almost 50 years with a net worth of almost $500 million. But once you hear his backstory, he sounds just a little bit more like the rest of us. If a character shows up to deliver a couple lines and then fall flat on their face, they're nothing more than an archetype, disposable comic relief. But if they have a haunting past that they've never been able to escape, a mistake from their past that keeps them from living it down in the present, or a pattern of falling flat on their face every time they try something new, they're not just a character now. They're a person. A person we all know. 
perhaps a person we even see a little bit of in ourselves. Tara made the unusual decision to pull back the curtain fully, showing each of the unique motivations and personalities she created to drive her main story. But whether you're sharing your character bible or not, you never have to keep all the backstory behind the scenes. There's a short story that launches in just a couple weeks um, in an anthology. And six months after that launches, I'm allowed to publish it myself. Um, I'm going to publish a chronological anthology of short stories of different characters. And so you see kind of the history of what happened, because there's a lot that is a uh, backstory in my books, you know, that's mentioned and kind of explained a little bit. But I've had a lot of people ask that they want to see those things happen. Like, what was this? <clears throat> there was a civil war that I mentioned 200 years ago, and they want to see what that civil war looked like or, you know. And so I'm going to do little short stories and publish my own anthology of side character prequels kind of leading up to um, the series. Anthologies are another important tool for authors, not just to help develop backstory, but to share it with the world. Once you've written a short piece about your world or one of your side characters, or simply pulled a story from your own backlog, you can submit it to an anthology, a collection of writing, usually genre-specific, from many different authors. There's a lot of anthologies out there. They put out a call. It's usually by an organization or an association or a group of other authors. And they put out a call for submissions, and then you submit your story. Um, and if they decide they want your story in the anthology, then you sign a contract. Um, they own publishing rights for that anthology forever, but you retain the copyright to the story. At least a good contract is that way. The author retains the copyright. They only retain the rights to publish it as a whole in its anthology. Hmm. And then there's usually a time limit where, okay, after six months or nine months or 12 months, now you can feel free to publish this however you want on your own, either as your own short story or to give it to, to your newsletter readers for free or to put it in your own anthology or whatever it is like that. Once you're in, you've found one of the best unsung avenues for promoting your story. Each author contributes a story to the anthology, and when it launches, everyone shares it with their fans through their newsletter, social media, or if you're anything like Tara, a local get-together. It's a way to introduce your readership to other author friends and for their readership to find out about you. The anthologies also rank pretty well on Amazon usually, benefiting from the combined marketing power of all the authors. For some authors, anthologies are the ultimate hat trick for bewitching new readers. I think the underlying reason for doing anthologies in the first place, especially fiction anthologies, is to find new readers or to introduce yourself to new readers because there's going to be however many authors in that anthology. Let's say there's five authors that put a story in there. Their readers are going to buy the anthology to read their particular story, but hopefully they read some of the other stories and maybe they read yours and maybe they decide, huh, I, what else has this author written? For Tara, anthologies are yet another tool for building a believable and captivating world. And for others still, they're a way to wade out of the amateur shallows into the deep end of publishing professionalism. There's other authors out there that are just kind of scared and intimidated to publish. And this is like a little foot in the door for them of like, hey, somebody thinks it's good enough to publish in an anthology. 
there's my, that's my baby step before I enter this scary world of, you know, indie publishing. Whatever the case may be, hearing the backstory, the stories behind the story is as crucial to the plot as the narrative itself. Don't believe me? Well, we've spent this whole season telling a story that serves as the perfect example. I'm talking, of course, about Tara's own. At first glance, Tara doesn't always seem like the most relatable author. She published a summary YA bestseller that she herself wrote on the beaches of California and Hawaii. She's incredibly quick-witted and bubbly in conversation, very open about her luck given her aversion to tackling editing, marketing, and the other tricky parts of the publishing process, and incredibly aware of her shifting priorities between being a professional writer and a piano teacher, pillar of her community, and kick-ass mom. But with a little bit of backstory, a much fuller picture of Tara becomes clear. This is a woman who has done everything in her power to carve her own path in life. She didn't want to live the typical suburban life, so she went to college in Hawaii for musical composition. She didn't want to write the boring research papers that entailed, so she wrote a novel instead. She didn't want to publish it, so she wrote it for herself. But then she saw the way it could touch other people in her life. Her children, her husband, her family, her friends, her beta readers, her community, a sick girl she would have never had the pleasure of getting to know otherwise, and a couple of random passerbys at the local park. So she put in the work to make it a story worth reading, but never in a way that made it any less of her own. With a story like that, Tara quickly becomes an author that any aspiring writer hesitant to take a deep dive into a new profession can see a little bit of themselves in. But even with a successful series to her name and a professional approach to writing, I felt that Tara's story was lacking a proper ending. She'd spent her whole career between worlds, the world of her family and the world of her book, the world of writing as an amateur and as a professional, the world she was creating for herself and the one for others. But clearly, she did something right, so I had to ask, how did she strike that balance? This sounds bad. I, I love my children, but I'm a better mom when I have time away from them. And so writing is still an escape from that motherhood hat that I wear, and it lets me be creative, and I feel... I don't know if this sounds cheesy or like way too scientific, but I feel like my brain gets clearer and focuses better and just feels healthier and happier when I get to use it in that creative outlet and to try to think through all these problems in my story. Um, I'm, I feel like a better person when I'm writing. That, that actually raises a really interesting question, especially because you're writing a, uh, children's novel that uh, you know or a young adult novel that has the ability to impact so many young people across the country and yet as you mentioned the process of writing it required you to step away from the actual young people in your life your children what was that was there any conflict there uh internally yes there yes absolutely uh there's a lot of mom guilt that comes especially as I'm trying to finish a book. So it's, you know, all hands on deck every minute that I can to try to get this book finished. Um, one of my children in particular struggles 
with mom time. She wants mom time a lot, all the time. And when I can't give that to her, I, it, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts. At the same time, my husband, he frequently says things like, the fact that you're going after this dream and making it happen, that is an amazing example to our kids. And they need to see that. And they need to see that you have a life outside of being a mom. It would seem that, in a way, Tara is writing her book for her children, even as she steps away from them to do so. A lot of times I'll be writing and I'll think, okay, you know, my kids are going to read this in a few years. Without her world of mermaids and kingdoms and magic, she runs the risk of seeming one-dimensional to them, a perfect parent, but one without a world of her own. Even her children need to see her backstory. And if what I gleaned from our conversations is any indication, it only brings them closer to her. Here's just a little bit of a pause. My daughter just walked in. Hi, honey, what do you need? Yeah. No, you can't watch me. Remember how I said mommy needs a few minutes? I need you to leave, baby girl, but I'll, I'll be right in in just a minute, okay? Here, say Welcome hi. To- hey, hi, friend. Hello. Hello, friend. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> okay, I'm going to finish talking to my friend, but can you shut the door and I'll be right out in just a few minutes, okay? Then I can, then I can watch you. Yes, I'll come watch with you. Love you. Bye. For Tara, no matter how successful or professional she has become, writing is still an escape. But it's no longer just for her. Now, it's an escape we can all relate to. It's still escapism for me. It's just kind of a, it's great. I don't know. Yay for writing! Oh, totally. More like a, it seems more like a, maybe a family vacation as opposed to a summer vacation now. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels like um, it's escapism that I don't feel like I'm alone in anymore, if that makes sense. That I get to escape into this world that I'm not the only one enjoying, which is really fulfilling, you know? Thank you for listening to Season 3 of Best Seller. This miniseries was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If the past seven episodes make you feel a little more prepared to turn out a professional quality young adult series, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps other aspiring authors who might find Tara's story helpful to find us. And keep your eyes peeled for more addendum episodes as well as our fourth season. Our guest this season is Tara Holiday, aka TM Holiday, author of the Candian Airs series. You can purchase her books on Amazon or on her website at tmholiday.com. That's T-M-H-O-L-L-A-D-A-Y.com. And you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter at tmholiday. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Readsy a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at Readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at Readsy HQ, or online at R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com.